Well, if you've got a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to turn with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is in the New Testament. It's toward the end of your Bible. It's one of those small letters that Paul wrote to a church, the church at Colossus, so Colossians chapter 3. I love my wife. My wife is my rock star. I mean that. I am so proud of her. God has given her the, the opportunity, the privilege of being able to speak in front of thousands of women and share with them the hope that is only found in Jesus. God has used her to, to build a successful business. Before she started this business, God used her to take care of, of women and babies and life and death situations. And my wife, she is the best mommy and and Grammy on the planet. That's why it, it amazes me how easily she gets overwhelmed. I mean, my wife gets overwhelmed so easy. We go on a trip. If you go on a trip, you have to pack. And so I'll pull the suitcase out and I'll bring it into the bedroom. I'll put it on the floor. And when I put that suitcase on the floor, my wife shuts down. She can't even think about packing. We recently decided to repaint a room. And so my wife went to the paint store and she began looking at all of the colors that we could paint the wall. And she got overwhelmed. She literally told me I thought I was going to have a panic attack in the paint store. And let's not even talk about her closet. I mean, occasionally, occasionally, her, her closet will get so full that I have to go into the garage and get a machete to go inside. And when it gets that bad, I will say, honey, I, I want to help you clean out your closet. And I'll take the machete and I'll navigate my way into the closet and, and I'll pull out some outfits and I'll say, babe, which one do you want to keep? Which one do you want to give away? And she will have this glazed over look in her eyes. It's as if she was a deer caught in the headlights. She gets overwhelmed. And I'm not going to even talk about what happened six years ago today. It popped up on Facebook of all places. That's why I know what happened six years ago today. We're in Greece with our dear, sweet church family on a mission trip. And we got on an elevator. It was a rather small elevator with other people from the dear Northside family. And as we were traveling on that elevator, the elevator stopped. It got stuck between floors. Talk about being overwhelmed. And then we opened up the place where the phone is in the elevator, and there was a phone in there, but it was unplugged. The line had been cut. Everyone tried to use their cell phone, and there was no signal. Finally, we got the doors of the elevator open. We found out that we were just a couple of feet from the floor, and my wife was over here at the back, and as the doors were open, she made her way to the front and said, let me out of here. She was overwhelmed. 
I, I really don't know how she gets so overwhelmed, but let's be honest. Life can be overwhelming, can it? I mean, goodness gracious, we, we go to work and we have this workload that overwhelms us. We're, we're paying our bills and we're looking at the finances and we don't have enough finances to pay the bills and our finances can be overwhelming. School started back and we've got to get our kids to school. We've got to get them to sporting practices. We've got to take them to extracurricular activities and that can be overwhelming. And then just trying to live with your spouse. I mean, imagine my wife living with me. That can be overwhelming. And not to mention things like sickness and even death. The life that we live can be overwhelming. So how can you and I overcome these feelings of being overwhelmed? Well, I believe the answer is found in Colossians chapter 3, these, these first 15 verses. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at these 15 verses and we are going to ask four questions. And as we ask these four questions, these four questions will reveal why we are overwhelmed and how we can overcome being overwhelmed. And so I want you to ask yourself these questions as we're going through these questions and, and answer which of these things are causing me to be overwhelmed in my life because I'm here to tell you God doesn't want you to live your life being overwhelmed. He wants you to live your life in perfect peace. So here's the first question. Am I pursuing God's kingdom or my kingdom? Am I pursuing God's kingdom or my kingdom? Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now let that sink in. In chapter 2, verse 14, Paul tells us that we have died with Christ. And now he tells us that we have been raised to live a new life with Christ. That's what happens when we are saved. That's a picture of salvation. Death to an old life life, a new life. You see, it's as if when Jesus died on the cross, our sins were nailed to the cross with him, and that old sinful nature died. But the Bible says that we didn't stay dead. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, the Bible says through the power of God's Spirit, God has taken our dead selves and he has resurrected us to live a brand new life in Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old, it has passed away, it's dead. Everything has become new. I want you to listen very carefully. This isn't just a matter of life and death. This is a matter of eternity. The evidence of salvation 
is not that you prayed some prayer at the end of a service. The evidence of salvation is not even that you have been baptized. The evidence of salvation is a changed life. I have been made new. I'm not the same anymore. You see, we may still live in the same body. We may still look the same on the outside. We may still sound the same as we talk. But the Bible says that when we are saved, we have been changed. Everything has been made new. God has given us a new heart. He's taken our old heart and he's replaced it with a brand new heart that seeks him, that longs for him. Now notice what Paul says. He says, because you have been raised with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Now that word said, in the translation that you have, it may have seek, but that word is a very strong word. It carries the idea of a strong desire, of longing. We are to long for, we're to desire, we're to chase after what is going on in heaven. And that word, it's in the present tense which means that this isn't a one-time thing. We don't pray some prayer and say, okay, God, I'm going to chase after what's going on in heaven, and that's it. No, what this word is actually saying is that this is a daily thing. Every day when we wake up and get up, we set our sights on the realities of heaven. And what is the reality of heaven? Paul tells us. He said the reality of heaven is Christ is seated at the place of honor. Christ is at God's right hand. That's the place of power. That's the place of authority. In other words, what this is saying is in heaven, Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is in control. Now, don't miss this. What Paul is saying to us is if we have been raised to live a new life with Christ, our desire is for Christ to rule and reign in our lives just as he is ruling and reigning in heaven right now. And every day, every day, we get up and we see Jesus seated on the throne, the place of honor, the, the place of authority. And that reality guides us and directs us for that day, everything that we do. Everything that we think, everything that we say. Now, what does that have to do with us overcoming being overwhelmed? Two things. First, if Jesus is on the throne and we are part of his kingdom, that means that we have a desire to obey him, to, to submit to him, to follow him. We are pursuing his kingdom rule in our lives. But if we are on the throne, we are seeking our will. And it's all about our kingdom. And here's what I've discovered. Most of the problems, most of the problems that we face in life is when we are pursuing our kingdom desires rather than his kingdom desires. That's why Jesus said, seek first. Set your mind on. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else will take care of itself. You see, we seek first God's kingdom rule in our life, 
and then everything else in life will take care of itself. So quit pursuing your plans and surrender to his plans, and you will discover that life is a lot easier for you. That's why God gave us his word, by the way. He gave us his word to give us his kingdom agenda. God didn't give us his word to, to rob us of joy. God didn't give us his word to, to fill our life with pain. He is trying to show us how we can live a life free from anxiety. But here's the second truth we learn from this. You see, if we believe that God is on the throne, that means that he is in control. And if he is in control, then he's going to take care of us, right? I mean, if he's got the whole world in his hands, that means that he's got you and me, brother, in his hands, right? And if we really do believe that he is on the throne and he is in control and he's got us in his hands, then why do we need to worry about things? So let me give you a practical example of something that overwhelms us and I think overwhelms us because oftentimes we're pursuing our kingdom rather than his kingdom. And the area that I'm talking about is money. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Do you ever get overwhelmed with money? You ever get overwhelmed with money? Well, I'm here to tell you, look at me. If you get overwhelmed with money, it's because you're pursuing your kingdom rule rather than his kingdom rule. You say, Rocky, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, I do. You better believe I know what I'm talking about. And I know what it is to live on $198.50 a week and to live under God's kingdom rule. I know what it's like, and I know that you can live on anything, even next to nothing, and not be overwhelmed if it's not about your kingdom, it's about his kingdom. You see, God in his word has given us a kingdom plan for managing money. He's told us things about how we're to give our money, how we're to save our money, how we are to make our money, how we're to spend our money. All of those things, all of them are covered in scripture. And if we are ever overwhelmed in the area of money, hear me, we have broken one of those kingdom principles. Look me in the eyes, hear my heart, I love you, and I want the best for you. If you're here and money is overwhelming you, it's because you have broken one of God's kingdom principles when it comes to money. And so you have to ask yourself, am I pursuing God's kingdom or am I pursuing my kingdom? Am I trusting God and what he says in his word and am I walking in obedience to him or am I trusting me and my wisdom and therefore I am walking in my kingdom desires? Understand, God will never leave his throne. He is in control. And so there's no reason for us to be overwhelmed. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So first question, am I pursuing God's kingdom 
or am I pursuing my kingdom? If you're pursuing God's kingdom, that's going to go a long way in keeping you from being overwhelmed. Here's the second question. Am I feeding my mind with heavenly truth or earthly junk? Listen to what it says in verse 2. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. What are you thinking about? What are you filling your mind with? The truth is, what we think about has a lot to do with how we feel. Let me say that again. What we think about in our mind has a lot to do with what we feel. The Bible teaches that. And what is amazing is science is now discovering that. Last year, last year, Stanford University came out with the, um, the research of a study that they did on how the mind works. And this is what they said. Listen to this. They said that your mind is not just simply a passive observer perceiving reality as it is. They said the mind actually has the power to change reality. Did you get that? The mind isn't just looking through the eyes perceiving reality. The mind has the power to change reality. And there were multiple examples in this study, but let me give you one. They discovered that people who feel like they are more physically active than other people live longer than other people. Now, did you hear that? People who feel like, who think that they are more physically active than other people live longer than people they think they are more physically active than. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you exercise or not. You just have to think you exercise. I mean, that's what the study revealed. Some of you, right now, you're sitting in your seat going, man, this is life-changing. I've got to figure out how to convince myself I'm exercising. But that's the reality. Even though I may not be any more physically active than anybody else, if I think I am, I'm going to live longer than those people that, that don't. A another study said this. They gave people decaffeinated drinks. They told them that they were drinking caffeinated drinks. You know what happened? Their blood pressure went up. Didn't matter reality. What they perceived, what they thought, changed their reality. You see, what we think about has a lot to do with how we feel, getting overwhelmed. Now, now what does that have to do with you and I today? Well, let me give you some examples. Some of you are caught up in the 24-7 news cycle. Oh, you are a junkie. It may be CNN. It may be MSNBC, it may be Fox News, it doesn't matter, but you watch it, you take it in. It's always on. And here's what I got to tell you, all of it is spin. And all of it is divisive. And all of it is argumentative. You say, well, that's not right, Rocky. Oh, yes, it is. 
I've watched CNN, and I go, those people are crazy. <laughs> I'll turn on MSNBC, and this is my perspective. I'll say they're even more crazy. And I'll turn on Fox News, and I'll go, goodness, they're crazy too. And I mean, they're all cutting down one another. It's all a matter of how can I make my opponent look like an idiot? And you think that you can watch that day after day after day and it not affect your attitude? You think it's not going to affect how you respond to other people? Give me a break. I've seen your post on Facebook. And I go, well, they've overdosed on 24-7 news. It's crazy. Now, for you, it may not be 24-7 news. It may be social media. I'm mean, you're called up and checking out the gram or the book. You wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do is turn on your phone and see who's posted what. You're in traffic at a red light, and you pick up your phone and see if anybody's posted something new. And your life is guided and directed by social media. But here's what you need to understand. Social media isn't real. It's not real. People don't post their life on social media. People post their highlight reels on social media. And we read their highlights and we go, man, look at their life. Look at their marriage. Look at their kids, my life, my marriage, my kids stink. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example. You're scrolling through Facebook and you see this friend has posted a picture of a dozen roses that her husband randomly sent to her work. And she's got on her post, hashtag thoughtful, hashtag soulmates. Hashtag true love. You're sitting there and you go, man, he sure is a thoughtful husband. Boy, he's romantic. My husband's never sent a dozen roses to me at work. Wish my husband was more like him. But what you didn't see is the why. You didn't see that two weeks ago they went to her Christmas party at work and he had a little too much to drink. And he began flirting with her co-workers. And he has been sleeping on the couch for a week. And he is tired of sleeping on the couch and so he has sent her ten, a dozen roses to try to make up now for being a jerk. She's not married to a sweetheart. She's married to an idiot. He's a jerk. They don't have a great marriage. They've got a horrible marriage. They're barely making it. You're sitting back and you're comparing yourself and your life to them because of this one little highlight reel that isn't even reality. 
For you, it may not be the 24-7 you cycle. It may not be social media. It may be something else. But here's what I know. You're filling your mind with the things of this world. And I'm here to tell you the things of this world are going to always overwhelm you because the things of this world are corrupt. We live in a fallen world. So can I ask you a question? I want you to raise your hand or anything like that. But are you feeding your minds with earthly junk or, or heavenly truth, God's word? Answer this question. Do you spend more time in front of the TV or on social media than you do pouring into God's Word, seeking God's truth? If you do, no, no wonder you're overwhelmed with life. No wonder this world is overwhelming you because you're filling your mind with this world rather than God's truth. Third question. Is my hope in the eternal or the temporal? Listen to verses 3 and 4. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, comes again to the whole world, you will share in all his glory did you catch that promise when Christ who is our life appears again we who trust in him are going to partake in all of his glory you see our hope isn't in this world our hope isn't in the here and now our hope is in the hereafter and so where are you placing your hope? If you're placing your hope in your finances and retirement, your hope took a hit on Friday as the market plunged over 600 points. And you probably followed that and you went, man, this is awful, this is terrible. No, you've just got your hope in the wrong place. Some of your placing your hope in world peace and harmony and we're not going to have nuclear war and all of these things and so whenever our president gets on Twitter and he does that a lot and he starts posting about North Korea or Iran or Russia or China you're going oh dear Jesus the world's going to blow up and you get overwhelmed and the reason you're overwhelmed is because your hope is in this world and it shouldn't be. Your hope may be in your dream job, finding the right spouse, having kids, building your dream home. I don't know. But all of those things are of this world. And this world, it's fading away. This world, it's going to disappear. And you and I weren't made for this world. And the things of this world are great tools for us to use in life to bring glory to God. But the things of this world are terrible things to cling to for hope and meaning and purpose. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And here's what I know. No, no matter where you are, there is nothing in this world that is going to satisfy you 
forever. It may satisfy for a week. It may satisfy for a year. It may satisfy for years. Sooner or later, the glitter, the glitz, is going to fade. It's going to go away. And it's not going to satisfy anymore. And you're going to be left without hope. So where do you find your hope? The temporal or the eternal? Final question. Am I wearing holy clothes or worldly rags? I want you to listen to these 11 verses. I want to read them, share a couple of comments, and then we're going to close. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. We've already talked about how, as a believer, we've, we've died to sin. We died, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do, nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Did you get that? Because of these things, God's anger is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. All its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. And this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave, or free. Christ is all that matters. And He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be His holy people, the people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And then listen to what it says. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and, and always be thankful. Notice what Paul said. He said, put to death, strip off, take off the old sinful nature and then put on the new nature. And then he describes what the two look like. He says, the old nature, the worldly rags or things like sexual immorality, greed and anger, dirty language, lie, and a host of other things. But, but those are some of the things that have to do with the old nature. We've put them off. We've died to those things. Those things have no part in the life of someone who has been made new. And then he says, we have put on, notice what he says, mercy and kindness, humility and gentleness, patience and forgiveness, and, and a host of other things. So, so what are you wearing? 
I mean, are you wearing the holy clothes that, that come from the new nature or are you still clinging to those worldly rags that are part of that nature that died and was nailed to the cross? I'm here to tell you, if you are a Christ follower and you're clinging to any of these unholy things, life is going to overwhelm you. You cannot live in peace as a follower of Jesus and live with sin. Did you hear me? You cannot. It's impossible as a follower of Jesus to have peace rule in your hearts and yet wear the old nature. It's impossible. The two cannot exist. And so if you're overwhelmed, and it's none of the first three, then it's this one. You've got sin in your life that you're not dealing with. Notice how Paul wrapped this up in verse 15. He says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. In other words, you've got a choice to make. You can live and be overwhelmed with life and the cares and the concerns and the problems and the pain and the anguish that comes with it, you can be overwhelmed or you can let the peace of God rule in your hearts and regardless of what happens, the peace is there. How, how do you think the Apostle Paul dealt with everything he had to deal with? And yet he faced it with hope, expectancy, and joy. How did he have peace in the midst of being homeless at times, in the midst of being in prison at times, in the midst of being beaten, in the midst of being despised and forsaken, in the midst of having people lie about him? How was he at peace in the midst of all of this? How was he not overwhelmed? The peace of God was ruling in his heart. So ask yourself, am I pursuing God's kingdom or my kingdom? Am I feeding my mind with heavenly truth or earthly junk? Have I placed my hope in the eternal or is my hope in the, the temporal? And am I clothing myself with holy clothes that are a part of the new nature or am I still trying to wear these worldly clothes that are part of a nature that died on the cross with Jesus? I'm here to tell you, if you pursue God's kingdom, if your mind is being fed with heavenly truth, if your hope is in the eternal and you're wearing holy clothes you're not going to be overwhelmed by anything you say Rocky you don't know what I'm going through no I don't know what you're going through but I know the God who created you I know the plans he has for you and I'm here to tell you that come anything that this world can throw upon you he can give you peace instead of allowing you to be overwhelmed. But here's the deal. The first step, 
you got to surrender to him he has to rule in your heart if the peace of God is going to rule in your heart he has to rule in your heart wouldn't you agree and so my question as we wrap this up is is he ruling in your heart because that's one of the defining characteristics of a Christian if we're a Christian God rules our life that's one of the definitions of being a Christian we have surrendered to the rule of Jesus in our life so have you have you acknowledged your sin before a holy God have you humbled yourself before him asking him to forgive you have you trusted his son's death on the cross as payment for all your sins and have you surrendered your life to him saying I'm not my own I'm yours whatever you want wherever you lead I'm yours you haven't and you're ready to do that you're ready to sell out to Jesus give your life to him then I want to encourage you to do that this morning I want you to bow your head want you to close your eyes with your head bowed with your eyes closed if that's what you're ready to do you're tired of playing games you're tired of walking through the moat going through the motions you're tired of walking through life acting one way and yet on the inside you know you're something else and you're ready to give it all to Jesus then let me encourage you right now to pray this prayer to him dear God I'm sorry I've been living my life my way. I've been acting like I'm God. Forgive me. I'm tired of living life that way. Jesus, I know that you love me. I know you came to this earth and died for me so my sins could be forgiven. I know that you rose from the grave defeating death and defeating sin so I could live a new life. Today I'm trusting you to save me. Today I'm asking you to give me a new life. Come into my heart and give me a new heart. Transform my mind. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. Jesus, today I'm putting the old on the cross. Today I'm asking you to make me new through your spirit. Everything that I am, I'm giving to you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer.